What's going on, everybody? Thank you for joining me on another exciting episode of Data. My name is Brian, and I look forward to sharing with you another amazing guest today. But first, if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, please make sure you get out there and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Now sit back and enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Dad Up, everyone. So glad you joined in. I'm excited about the discussion today. My guest is an addiction consultant who believes in treating the problem of addiction, not the symptoms. He's worked for many years helping addicts and alcoholics to recover their lives from the disease of addiction. He was the CEO of a thriving telecommunications company when walls came crashing down around him due to alcoholism. He ended up homeless and broke until he found the courage to save himself. Now, he is the CEO of the Rob Kelly Recovery Group, an addiction recovery coaching company that he created based on the extensive research and behavioral studies that he conducted over the last 20 years. And we'll get into all that on our discussion, but he's a sought after recovery expert. He's been featured on shows such as the doctors, eye opener, good morning, Texas, and KNS morning news in Texas. It is a pleasure to welcome my good friend, Dr. Rob Kelly to dad up. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so much, Brian. So good to be here. I've been waiting for this one. This should be awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Now, look, I, I did a real quick uh, uh, five-second intro on you. I know there's so much more to this backstory that I'm dying to get into. But for my guests that want to know just a little bit more about you, can you just kind of give me a little bit more backstory of you and uh, and also how you got into this uh, kind of this recovery group? And then also, uh, obviously, this is a dad podcast, so a little bit about your family as well. Definitely. Well, I was born into an alcoholic family, started drinking at the age of nine. Um, so I was an alcoholic from day one. I believe we're born this way. And uh, I grew up in Manchester, England, just in case some of the folks out there are thinking I'm from East Texas. It's definitely <laughs> England. And uh, kind of working class family, you know, not a lot of money about, but plenty of love around. Uh, but it was dysfunctional, just like uh, alcoholics families are always dysfunctional. So I grew up in that house and uh, I started drinking at age of nine. I was a musician. That's what I wanted to be, a professional musician. And I kind of did that because I went over the age of 15 and 16. I actually went to Abbey Road and was the session bass player there for about three years, played with Elton no John, Bowie. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. I know. I had some great times with Elton John and Bowie and, you know, Freddie Mercury. And, but the drinking and the drugs were there and uh, had uh, two children, two beautiful children, who later suffered, of course, because dad was a drunk. Uh, went to Oxford University, uh, started a family, you know, thought we had the 2.4 kids everything was going great and then unfortunately my alcoholism took a grip and uh within a short time i mean it took his toll over the years but when it finally came for me it was very vicious for me and uh within about six to eight months of tragic stuff going on in the house uh, including my children uh, i was homeless so i was living on the streets of manchester england and i remember sat on the streets my first day going what the hell just went wrong and uh, I stayed on the streets for 14 months and, you know, 3% of people where I come from, Brian, get off the streets, the rest die on the streets. Mm. Come very close some nights. I've been stabbed, I've been beaten. But yeah, I spent so much time in hospital when I was when I was on the streets. But, you know, for the for the love of God, I, I one day just, you know, as like a spiritual awakening. And when I got, got off the streets, I wanted to spend the rest of my life working with especially dads like me who's lost their children. Through, through anything, not just addiction, anything at all. You see, my youngest daughter, who's now 30-something, she, uh, she's never talked to me ever since they took him off me at the ages one and three. But my eldest daughter, um, two years ago, contacted me on Facebook. And she was, mm. uh, 
She was, she was, we're not seeing each other for 20 something years, but great reunite, great trip back wow. home. And uh, to, to, well, here's, here's the great part. So we went over there. She, I knocked on the door. She opened the door. Uh, my wife, my well, current wife was with me and we just held each other and cried. And then this is what she said, Brian. I thought that was the best thing in the world that could happen to me because she called me dad. But then we oh, walked into goodness. a room and she said, hey, dad, that's that word again. I just crumbled when I heard it. She said, I've got something to show you. And we walked into a front living room and she handed me my three-month-old grandbaby. Oh, my goodness. And right there and then all the damage, you know. And I'm, I, I get a little bit emotional about this, but, you know, because the last thing she said to me at the age of three when they took him off me was, was daddy, daddy, please stop drinking. And I couldn't mm. do it, you know. So this was a huge reunite. Now, here's a twist for those dads out there because it always ends well if you do the right thing. Two weeks ago, Brian, my daughter, Charlotte, was started her first patient with Rob Kelly Recovery Group as one of our counsellors in England. Oh, that's amazing. I know. I that know. That is awesome. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So here you are. You've you've had this awesome uh, reunitement with your uh, – reuniting with your daughter uh, and now your grandchild. Has that – has that changed your perspective on the things that you went through? I know we all say, you know, things happen, happen for us, not to us. Um, did that, did that change your perspective on all the things that you went through? It did because uh, at the time I hated myself and hated everything and couldn't, couldn't understand why I was going through it, but I wasn't a nice guy, Brian. You know, I was, I was doing things behind my wife's back. I was always trying to pinch steel stuff and, even though I was doing very well for myself. So when I look at my homelessness and the loss of everything around me, my medical license, parents, wife, kids, uh, houses, cars, all that stuff, you know, it was only when I met Charlotte back again, I realized that the stuff I do today is unique. The doctor I am today is out of the box, but very successful, 97% success rate, unheard of in anywhere in the world because I'm, I look back and realize that that stuff that happened to me was like a semester at Harvard. The information mm. I got to help other dads, especially going through this stuff with their children, was vital for my not only success, but an able. I've worked with six and a half thousand people over the last uh, 30 years, and I'm not finished yet. So, yeah, it was a very, very good educational part. I'm glad I went through it. The only thing I would change, Brian, was the devastation to my children that, that right. I caused. They've both been in therapy for at least 10 years that I know of. You know, you, so you have a daughter and, uh, what you, you have, how many kids you have? Two kids, two children. Yes. Okay. And they're obviously both grown and you just, are you still in communication with the other one? No, she's never contacted me since they took him off me at the age of, she was one at the time. Mm. No, she, she doesn't like me. She doesn't have a dad. She says to the other one. So, you know, maybe in time, hopefully. Maybe in time, and maybe yes. uh, maybe her her sister will uh, will talk to her or something. Yes. And like hopefully reconnect. But you know what? Uh, you got to give her her space. And yes. This is the choice she made. She's obviously a grown adult now. Um, so I know that must be hard as as a dad to ha to have that and go through that. But you know, um, this this addiction. You know, alcohol alcoholism. Uh, you know, do you call it a disease? Because I know I I know. A lot of people do, and there are some some views on it not being a disease. What is your view on that, doctor? If you're not, if you don't know it's a disease, do your research and do your homework. Of course, it is. It's a biological effect in my brain. It's a predisposition from my family, so I'm born this way. 
mixed with a remap brain because of my trauma during my childhood. There's always trauma whenever there's alcoholism. So put that all together and it's something we can't control into our body. We have a brain, self-sabotaging neural pathways is the simplest term to put it. It's like when I get something, want something, have something, over the period of a few weeks or months, I want to destroy it, including myself. So, you know, we will never get rid of the disease, but what we have is is uh, the one day at a time everyone talks about where you can redirect neural pathways and become this amazing person. And then when we find out little stuff like when I compliment somebody, dopamine starts being released in my brain. I like mm-hmm. dopamine. So I'm thanking people. I'm working out. The, the, the job gets better. The, the, the people around you get better. And the most important thing I do today is I surround myself with people who believe in me like I believe in them. I do mm-hmm. not surround myself with idiots or non-believers in, in what we all can do. Hmm. Well, that's awesome. Now, I wanted to ask you, because I, I want to back up a little bit. Um, you know, you talked about your homelessness. Um, I want to know from you, was there, what was the turning point that got you from uh, being homeless to really turning your life around? First of all, my first question is, um, when you were homeless, I'm, I'm assuming you were still uh, heavily drinking and yes. couldn't control it at that point. Yes. So there, there was a turning point where you said that enough's enough. Um, I want to know about that. And the reason that I want to know that is because I've kind of went through, um, I, I did, I wasn't homeless, but I've went through a struggle myself and I was, a, I was in the military. I was in the Marines for four years. And I always like to joke. One of the things they, one of the things that you learn or three of the things that you learn when you're a Marine is you learn how to cuss, you learn how to kill and you learn how to drink. Yeah. And so I, 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 and I grew up in an alcoholic family. Yeah. And so I knew I had, I had it in me, but I didn't really think much of it until I started having kids. Yeah. Now my two, my two boys are older now, but uh, they're 22 and 19. But when they were in their early teenage years, um, I found myself uh, heavily drinking and it, I was still functional, you know, as they refer to a functionally functioning alcoholic, uh, I was still functional doing my daily job. I didn't lose my job. You know, none of that kind of stuff happened to me, but what I found myself doing was I found myself sitting in my chair, watching TV, having a beer. And I was telling, asking my sons to go get me a beer out of the fridge. And I realized that I wasn't sending the right signal, the right message to them. And it, one day it just sort of hit me, Hey, enough's enough. This, you can't do this anymore. You're, you can't bring your boys up in this life because they clearly going to have the disease themselves and the way that I'm teaching them now, it's okay yes. to sit, sit around and, and drink all, all hours of the night and drink as much <laughs> as you want. It's just not a right message. So I, I made a decision, doctor, I made a decision to stop and I, I stopped cold Turkey. Uh, I just completely stopped. I said enough's for me and I don't want any more. And here I am um, 12 years later and sober and glad that I made that decision. Yeah. I tell I tell you all that because I want to know what was that decision for you. You were homeless, still still consumed in in the disease. What was the turning point for you? Well, I remember once uh, Sunday night, Monday morning, about two thirty in the morning, I was walking down the back street of Manchester on a cobble road somewhere, and I dropped to my hands and knees and I started to cry like a baby. I started this after fourteen months on the street. I was sobbing from my stomach. I was just done. This is after suicide attempts, after everything, I was done. I just couldn't kill myself. I tried so many times. I remember looking up to the sky, and this is all I said. And, you know, I'm a spiritual guy, not a religious guy. But I looked up to the sky and I said, if there's a God up there, I can't do this on my own anymore. 
And then a guy walked around the corner with a little Bible in his hand. Three th- two thirty in the morning, nothing happens good at two thirty. He's missed his last bus home from a Bible study, and he said, "Do you want help?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm dying." And he took me back to his house. He happens to be an alcoholic in recovery, and uh, my journey started there, right there and then. You know, I just needed a a little chance, and and uh, God or spiritual universe or whatever you want to call them sent somebody to help me. I truly believe that today. And, uh, you know, I look at, I mean, one of my biggest things, there's a couple of things that I stand for as I came to America very strongly as trying to teach people, one, that we can permanently recover from the stuff we're going through and our behavior can change. But secondly, educate the children in your family about addiction or alcoholism, educate them at an early age. So although I wasn't in touch with my daughter at the time, she'd seen this on, she'd seen me on TV or somewhere. So she started looking on the internet and this was a strong message at the time. So she started to research and she came off to drinking once a week instead of every night. So even though I didn't, we couldn't have that conversation at an early age, I kind of did have that conversation, but indirectly because of the work I was doing. So when we met, I asked her, do you drink? And she said, dad, I drink one drink a week on a Friday night with the girls and that's it because you taught me a lot about alcoholism in the family, mm. even though you wasn't here to tell me, which I thought was phenomenal. Mm. Well, well, first of all, um, the fact that you, uh, you know, you reached out to uh, our heavenly father and said, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. Kind of that, kind of that Jesus take the wheel kind of deal. <laughs> and a guy comes out of, out of nowhere and carrying a Bible and, essentially rescue rescues oh, you oh, I, oh it gets stranger than that brian <laughs> all right because because what happens is he texts me to this meeting the next day that i don't want to be at 12-step meeting where i met this guy that called himself a recovered alcoholic his name was john he had uh, blonde uh, like uh, white hair dressed quite normally uh, casual i asked him to be my sponsor he said no but I'll spiritual advise you for 12 weeks. So I used to go around that guy's apartment every Wednesday at 7 p.m. I used to walk there starting at 6, get there for 7, spend an hour with him, and I walk back for 12 weeks. He he showed me stuff that I've never even seen before. He taught me stuff. He said, guarantee other people you can recover it because you're going to go far and wide in this world. I didn't believe any of it. When I left that man's house on the 12th week, I knew that I'd change and I knew I'd never drink. When my second, because he said things will change from today, and it did. Next day, I got a part-time job, led to a full-time job. But after two weeks, I got paid my first paycheck in God knows how long. So I got that little pay. I went to the gas station. I bought him a little teddy bear, and I bought him a little card saying, thank you for introducing me to God. I walked the same tw- miles there to get an hour's uh, walk to get there. The same I'd done 12 weeks before, Brian. I knocked on the door, nobody there. And not that loudly that the girl next door opened the door and says, can I help you? And I said, can you tell me where John's moved to? And she said, there's been no in that apartment for the six months that I've been here. So no I thought way. she was crazy. So I let her shut the door, light went off. I went to the other, I knocked on the other door now, left-hand side. And this guy comes to the door and said, can you tell me where John's relocated to? And he said, John. I said, yeah, John, the guy next door. And he said, Brian, and I quote, that ha- that apartment is up for it, it, there's demolition going on. There's been no one in there for twelve months. So with that information, I went back to the meeting that I was at a couple of nights before, a couple of uh, about three or four months before, and I got hold of the guy that was chairing that meeting, and I said to him, "Can you tell me where John is? Have you ever seen John again?" And he said, "John." I said, "Yes, John, the guy." I was over near the coffee machine talking to him, and a few of them started to giggle. I said, "What's so funny?" 
And he said, Rob, you, you like, you was over the coffee machine speaking to yourself. Never found oh, that man. And that's when I knew I had something goodness. special to pass on. And that's why my success rate is 97 to 100%. Because if you're going to get all, if you're going to talk about the real truth here, Brian, this isn't my work, it's God's work. That's why I know wow. it works every single time. And he puts people in front of me that's ready to recover. It's the strangest thing. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I, doctor, I'm so freaking happy I had you on because that is such an amazing story. There's so much in there. Um, yes. Gosh, what a, what a, what a, oh, gosh, I, I can't even, I, I have no words. <laughs> I have no words. That's I mean, that's, that is amazing. And, and those are the, uh, those are, those are the angels, man. Yeah. I mean, they were looking out for you. Uh, that Definitely. is so incredible. Thank and, you and, for sharing and, that story. And there's a bunch of other stuff that's happened, but I didn't die. They, they, when I came over here two or three months, they, they said I had cancer of the esophagus, took me down to operate after calling my parents to tell them I might die. Went down to operate, did one more uh, x-ray, and the cancer had gone. Bunch yeah, of see, stories like that, yeah. See, see, God says you're not done here yet, yes, brother. Yes, yes. You're not done here. Yes, sir. Um, oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, goodness, I, there's. I'm definitely going to have you back on because I, I want to hear more of these stories. But uh, I do want to touch a little bit on, uh, I know that you haven't, even though you have two daughters, you really haven't been uh, the dad that you've really wanted to be, no. obviously due to this, this terrible disease. But I wanted to ask you, if you had to, if I asked you to give advice, you've probably done this many, many times, but what advice would you give to parents that may be struggling with a teenage child that's facing any sort of addiction problems? Because as we know, kids today... <clears throat> They ha there's so much accessibility to getting uh, their hands on alcohol, and especially if they ha if it runs in their family, they can become addicts themselves. So, what advice would you give to parents that you could share with us today? Start dialogue, whether it's with the child itself or a teenager. Check the room, make sure you're not finding anything that shouldn't be there. Watch for signs, lateness, unkempt, uninterested anything, and then have that conversation because. From my 30-odd years experience, parents, I'm telling you this, I would rather you approach your teenager and be wrong than miss it and then go on to have a problem like I did. So the earlier we can catch this and the earlier we can have that conversation that nobody wants to have, then you, you'll realize because if the teenager goes, oh, no, Mama, I'm good, usually it's good. But when they start firing back stuff at you, why are you asking me? Well, it's usually bad. So have that conversation, guys, mm. and get help. Yeah. Um, that's so important. You know, I talk a lot on my show about, uh, just communicating with our kids and, and even as simple as when they come home from school or whatever, asking them how their day was and not just, not just closed ended questions. I, I really speak to op asking open-ended questions and, you know, my son, my older son, who's 22, he, he enjoys going out with his friends and having some beers or having some drinks. And I'm okay with that. Um, I understand, you know, he's living that life right now but we've had these discussions about alcoholism and the disease running in the family uh, my wife uh, her family on her side uh, there's been um, my my father-in-law who's since passed has been a recovery alcoholic for over 40 years so there's been this this tendency of this disease on both sides of our family so we've had these conversations with our boys well before they reached drinking age uh, or legal drinking age, I should say. So it is, you're right. It is super important to to speak yeah. to our kids openly about it and let them, let them 
let them talk with you. If they're feeling something on their heart or something that they're going through, always have that open line of communication open with them. To and you will never know, Brian, how right. much you've helped them by doing that. You see, the bad thing about when we do stuff like you do, our kids turn out great. They're informed. They have a fantastic relationship with you. But we never know what would have happened if you didn't. So I, I love parents like you who are just open, you know, always complimenting the kids, always being, you know, the, the dad that you can go to because – that's where dads have been cut off over the last 20, 30 years is we've stopped doing that. We've stopped mm. sitting at dinner around the table. We've stopped being approachable. They bury their head in the phones. We don't know where they're going. It's just, it's crazy. It's like, let's get back to the old traditions, guys. Yeah. Yeah. You know, technology is great, but technology is so bad for that intercommunication or that inter-social relationship with our own family. Um, <clears throat> it is, it is not a good thing, but, uh, you know, my kids, we have had a really strong bond ever since they were born. And even even now, when my older son, you know, he goes out with his buddies to, to have some beers, I have a conversation with him before he leaves. I say, hey, have a good time. Enjoy yourself. But don't drive. Obviously, do not drive. If you need help, call me any time of the night and I'll, and I'll be there to help you out. Um, but um, my son knows he's not, he's not a drinker anyways. He, he goes out once in a blue moon and has, has a drink um, with his friends. Uh, but he's more about taking care of his body. So he's a big bodybuilder and all that. So he's more about that. So, but um, you know, it is important. It is important to talk to our kids about that. Well, listen, um, uh, let me ask you this. I know that uh, I know that you're just now rebuilding that, that relationship with your older daughter and now your grandchild, which is very, very cool. And hopefully I'm praying for you, brother. If I'm hoping and praying that, uh, that your other daughter uh, does come around and I'm sure she will eventually, but in her due time. But I wanted to ask you this. If I were to ask them now, um, tell me something about your dad. What would you hope that they would say about you? That is, that is funny. That is amazing that he got over his difficulties and that he loves us today. Mm, that's so good. So good. Well, listen, doctor, I am, I am blessed. I'm thankful uh, to be uh, on this call with you. I'm so thankful you took the time out of your day because you've got, you know, you've got a recovery group that you're running. I mean, you've got a million different things. You've got a million yeah. balls in the air that you're trying yeah. to juggle. Um, so I appreciate you taking the time out of your day um, to connect with me, share a little bit about your story. And I'm definitely going to have you on because I want to hear more of these awesome stories. There's such good messages in there. Um, but let me ask you this before I let you go. If my listeners wanted to learn a little bit more about you, uh, kind of look you up, what's the best place for them to do that? How would they go about it? Uh, jump on any search engine, Dr. Rob Kelly, spell my name with two B's, R-O-B-B, or jump on R-O-B-B-K-E-L-L-Y.com or... Uh, if you want to buy the book, Daddy, Daddy, Please Stop Drinking, the last thing my daughter said to me, just jump onto Amazon or you'll see it in Walmart. But yeah, just search me, guys. And, you know, if I want to say, if you're struggling out there or you have kids that are struggling and, you know, you call everywhere and it costs you a fortune, how about calling me and costing nothing? Let me give you mm. my cell phone number, parents. Okay, this is just for you and just for this show. 214-600-0210. I'm going to give you some sound advice and I will never try and sell you anything. It's just dads with dads. Man, that's awesome. Uh, very kind of you. Thank you very much for doing that. Um, thank you very much for being on the show. I'm definitely obviously going to stay in touch with you. You've become a good friend of mine now. Uh, and I certainly look forward to uh, continuing to build our friendship, my friend. 
gosh, I, I could go on and on about the stories you shared, my friend. <laughs> I really Crazy. could. It's just, uh, you're amazing, amazing man. And I'm thankful, uh, thankful you've come to, uh, to the place that you are today. So thank you very much, doctor. I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. It was all my pleasure. I believe it. It was a fantastic show and, uh, we'll be, I'll be in touch soon. Don't you worry about that. We're going to be friends. Well, there you have it. Another exciting episode complete. My guest today certainly represents the data community very well. Continue to stay tuned because my shows with amazing guests comes out every week. You don't want to miss out. Please help the show by subscribing and leaving a rating. I would love your feedback. If you know anyone this show could help, please share it with them. I don't want anyone missing out on what it takes to be a great parent. If you have comments or questions, please let me know. You can message me on my Instagram page at data podcast. I read all your comments and respond to them all. Thank you as always for listening to the show. This is data. Up.